100,000 I'd rate as very conservative, probably overly conservative. I'd rate 200,000 upwards as a sweet spot, 300,000 not out of the question. And I do not ridicule $1 million. Hello there from Bedford in the United Kingdom. How are you all doing? Well, I know you're all doing great. It's been a great week for Bitcoin with the price hitting new highs. We nearly tapped at $24,000 the other day. So I guess you're absolutely all flying out there. Feels pretty good, right? Congratulations to everyone who's weathered a really long and horrible bear market. Anyway, welcome to the What Bitcoin Did podcast, which is brought to you by the Mighty Kraken, the best place to buy, sell and trade Bitcoin. I'm your host, Peter McCormack. And today I've got an interview with Willy Wu, where we're going to recap the 2020 trading environment. But before that, I do have a message from my amazing show sponsors. So today we're going to kick off with Casa, who without doubt is the very, very best in Bitcoin security. And listen, with Bitcoin mooning, you really, really want to get your Bitcoin security sorted. You might be sitting on some nice gains there and you do not want to screw things up. I did this about six months ago myself, and I am now protected from hackers, personal mistakes, in-person attacks, device failure, and so much more. And with Casa being such badasses, they've got a product out there for every Bitcoiner. So with Casa Gold, you get triple the security of a hardware wallet, and that comes in at only $10 a month. With Casa Platinum, you get their 3 of 5 multi-sig, and that is the best protection for large Bitcoin holders, coming at a really great price. And with Casa Diamond, you get their full service offering. This includes a customized personal security review, inheritance planning, and of course their best-in-class security. There is no better time to upgrade your Bitcoin security and get total peace of mind. If you want to find out more, head over to keys.casa, which is K-E-Y-S dot C-A-S-A. Next up, we have sportsbet.io. Have you ever checked them out? You really should. They are the best in online gaming. And why? Why is that, P? It's because they accept Bitcoin, of course. They don't just accept Bitcoin. They love Bitcoin. They love it so much. They sponsored Southampton in the Premier League. They put a Bitcoin logo on a Premier League shirt. So billions of people around the world watching football right now, watching the Premier League, is seeing about Bitcoin. Pretty cool, right? They're also the betting partner of Arsenal, and they're just doing so much to promote Bitcoin. And if you're interested in gaming... The Sportsbet has a market for every possible need. Everything from the Premier League to US sports and everything in between. And for new customers, they always have a range of promotions available. Just head over to sportsbet.io forward slash promotions, which is S-P-O-R-T-S-B-E-T dot I-O forward slash promotions. Okay, so onto the show today, and it's the first in a new style of show. If you follow me on Twitter, you may have seen that I announced that for 2021, I've asked three people to join me on the show for regular updates on specific subjects. So, Shinobi is joining me to cover all things techie, Lynn Alden will be covering everything macro, and with Willy Woo, I'll be covering Bitcoin trading and on-chain data. And each has agreed to do an end-of-year review, so we're kicking off today with Willy covering on-chain data and the trading environment this year. Now, I've always followed Willie's work. I also got to meet him in Vegas earlier in the year and hang out and spend a bit of time with him, understand what he's about. And I just like his work. I like the fact that he uses on-chain data as a way to plan his trading. It's pretty cool stuff. In this 2020 review, we get into corporations buying Bitcoin, the potential for a supply shock with more and more large buyers entering the market, why this is different from 2017 and how high the prices could go. It was a really great episode to kick off these new types of shows. So I hope you enjoy it. If you've got any questions, you know you can reach out to me. It's hello at whatbitcoindid.com. And separately, I've just announced that I am launching a daily email service covering Bitcoin, macro and tech. That's available at thewakeup.cc. That's www.thewakeup.cc. That's going to be launching early next year, but you can register now. Anyway, have a great weekend and I'll see you all soon. Willie, man, good to see you again. How are you? Hey, Peter. Great to be here again. Yep, I'm good. Good sitting here in Hong Kong. How are you going? Good, man. As uh, as we both said before we started recording, um, it's been a strange year. We've, we've both historically been used to a lot of traveling, especially in this industry. And the you know, last time we met was in America. And well, the first time we met was in America. And now, I don't know, this feels like a long year. Mm, I've noticed that. Um, you know, sometimes years go by and they just fly by, and this one's been really kind of strangely full. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Do you know? What I think it is. It's been a slow year, but I can't really rem- I can't really think about what I've done. Like last year, I did a lot of stuff. I could t- I could list a massive amount of things I've done, but this year I would struggle to do that. I think the saving grace for people like you and I has been that it's been a like an incredible 
year for Bitcoin, a really interesting year for Bitcoin. So whilst we've been locked away, we've kind of had that to consume us. Mm, that's right. Yeah, it's been um, pretty full in the industry here. Um, for sure. All right, well, listen, look, we've got, um, we've got a lot to cover, man. Uh, this is my first time going through a bear market into what looks like a bull market. You've, you've been through these cycles before. You know, I'm historically really just a 2017 guy who just only ever knew the way was up to begin with and then, <laughs> then witnessed it all come back down again and then like ride out a good two to three years of like, you know, tough two to three years just trying to like understand what's going on. But, but how's it been for you this time compared to say, you know, what happened in 2017? Um, you know, every, every year is different. Every year in crypto has got different narratives, different technologies, different um, kind of underlying drivers. And, um, yeah, I mean, so I'm always learning. Every, every year is a different um, kind of learning. Uh, this one's been really full. Um, you, know, and this, you know, you say we're, this is your, well, I guess it's your second bull market. This one, you know, it's... I would say this is the the most volatile um, bull market we've seen, you know, in a long, long time, and um, the structure of the market's changed um, quite completely compared to say twenty seventeen. Um, and see, like you you saying that we're now in a bull market tells me like just um, how different this one is because a lot of people have been thinking we've been in a bear market till this year, and in reality we've been in a bull market since. Essentially, the, the start of last year, but you wouldn't know it because um, just how choppy it's been. Right. Okay. Interesting. So you're going to have to explain that one to me because I I felt like we had this kind of like fake out bull market last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we went up to was it like twelve? I can't remember if we hit fourteen because it was around Bitcoin 2019. We kind of spiked and then we kind of came down again. And then 2017, like, sorry, 2020, we started building up again. And then obviously we had the big shock with COVID, which we'll come to. Mm. I'm going to get the chart up my side, but you explain to me why, what you know that, that tells me that the bull market started in 2019. Yeah, uh, like <clears throat> I try to keep um, like away from just reading too much in the day-to-day price action. Obviously, we have to look at that, but... Um, a big part of what I do is look at um, the investor activity that's driving um, the market. And so I kind of look at this thing as um, you've got these long-term investors, new people coming in, and they go through these cycles. And, um, you know, obviously what I do is um, analyze the blockchain for data and look at flows of capital. And you can, you can look at um, the investment flow coming um, into Bitcoin using what you see on chain. And so with that, you can see when, um, you know, investors are sort of backing away, there's not a lot of uh, movement in coins and you want a lot of movement in coins because that means that there's a lot of uh, investors coming in Um, because whenever an investor comes in, they're buying coins, so coins move to these new investors. So um, that bottomed. That bottomed at the start of last year. You know, we had that crazy cliff from six thousand down to barely above three thousand, um, and that kind of marked the start of the year um, of twenty nineteen. And it sort of ran along this bottom, and uh, there were a lot of investors accumulating at that very very cheap three thousand dollar range, and. What I try to look for is that kind of discrepancy between um, what the investor uh, dictates for price and what the real kind of daily price we get. And now, you know, and so the daily price is very much dictated by um, short-term speculators. And we saw that last year when we had this crazy run-up from, you know, what was it, it broke 4,000 and just ran up to 14,000 and, a matter of like a few months and actually investors did come in but it just ran far in excess of um, what the fundamental um, investment flow was and so 
uh, that kind of led us into the the twenty um, twenty phase where we we um, we overran and we kind of blew off that top and it took a while for the um, price to start to settle and there was a bit of sell off and so that kind of led us into the twenty twenty um, and it was kind of a it was like this new hope because <laughs> we bottomed out. And um, I saw that on a number of indicators. And I think a, a lot of that, that early phase of this year was dictated by um, the plus token um, Ponzi scheme, which, which happened in um, 2018, 2019. You know, this is like the largest Ponzi scheme that, um, Bitcoin certainly had. I don't know how big the biggest one in the world is, but um, there was over two billion dollars sucked into that. I think, I think, um, I think Madoff's was like fifty billion or something. Oh yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah, okay. This does not count as big then. It's true. Yeah, but it's, but it's big for Bitcoin. Oh no, hold Bitcoin. on. All right, let me have a look at this. I've got it up. Uh, Sixty-five billion dollars. If, yeah, you, if you were to call fiat money a Ponzi scheme, that, that probably goes into the trillions. Yeah. <laughs> well, as a percentage of the amount of dollar available is very small, whereas I guess as a percentage of the Bitcoin, this is quite high. It's probably best to explain to people what the what actually happened with Plus Token. Yeah. So Plus Token was this um, thing that came out of China, and you know, like all Ponzi's, you 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 bring people in and then you pay them pay them some sort of um, payoff saying you're earning great returns and that's being paid by the new guys coming in. And this Ponzi brought in, you know, two and a half million people. Um, and to put that in perspective, even now in um, tail end of 2020, we have about just over 100 million people in crypto. So they brought in two and a half million people there and two wow. over $2 billion. So that was a huge colossal two and a half billion dollars at the time you know and so it accumulated somewhere between 200 and 300,000 bitcoins so one percent or more of the supply and pretty much a quarter of all the coins that um, Satoshi mined was in that ponds like in, in size was 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 uh, was uh, this plus token and um, so we had to endure 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 the sell-off because um, these tokens got dumped back onto the market once. Um, so, how were they getting away with that though? Were they mixing the coins? Like, well, um, a lot of it went through Wasabi Wallet. I mean, what what happened? What, what transpired was in um, July, uh, these guys got caught by Chinese law, law enforcement, and you know, and that coincided with the peak, that fourteen thousand dollar peak in twenty nineteen. That was when the Ponzi um, stopped. And, um, and so in part, we could say that, you know, overly fervent run-up um, was Plus Token buying and buying and buying. And then on the other side of it, we started to see sell-off and a lot of it was being mixed. And it went through um, Adam Pfizer's wallet, um, which is called Wasabi, which it's, it does a lot of mixing. And so this process of obfuscating the, the, the blockchain um, trail of transactions and so a lot of it went into Chinese exchanges and sold off and you know we were tracking that I think um, a guy Ergo BTC on Twitter he was tracking it on chain um, somewhere in the vicinity of 150 to 170,000 coins got dumped back onto the market so 1% wow. of the supply was huge um, and it kind of started petering out by the time um, January came in 2020. Um, Chinese law enforcement came in around uh, tail end of November, I think, and they confiscated the coins, um, the remaining coins. I believe they're all sold by now. Um, just uh, just talking to people, I think that it's all sold um, out of China. Um, so we don't have to worry about that now, but it certainly put us in a pretty uh, grim mode for the tail half of 2019. And right, okay. Yeah, so uh, that, that was how we set up the, the, the New Year's, really. 
<laughs> right. So if we hadn't have had that, well, I guess there's two arguments. One that the, the rising prices you said could have been down to, uh, it could have been down to the fact that uh, they were buying uh, Bitcoin for the Ponzi, but at the same time, then the sell-off could have been because they were selling off. So exactly. I guess, I guess that thought without that, you might have had a more nat. Like looking at the chart now, because I've got it in front of me, you might have had a more natural growth from, you know, that uh, this was like April. I guess it's almost like April to April. That whole year, might you might have seen more natural growth. That's right. That's right. You can yeah. almost sort of ignore that bump in the middle, and yeah, draw a line it would have been a normal cycle. But that threw a lot of us out, and, and certainly if you were trading in that tail end of twenty nineteen, though, it was one of the hardest hardest regions to trade because um, throughout all the technical indicators. Um, Mr. Plus Token Ponzi wanted to dump, and then suddenly the price would go down. So, um, you know, certain people that were trading price action were um, could do quite well, whilst others using technical indicators, which tends to work more when you're detecting an organic sea of um, trading. Um, but yeah, that that wasn't working as well. Um, and so, yeah, it was it was a um, interesting one there. Um, and totally unexpected. You can't, you know, everyone loves to draw these nice cyclical um, bull bear um, charts and everyone's projecting last year's or last cycle's charts onto this year's and into 2021. But if anything, we've seen in each cycle, but they're just so different and you almost can't guess what's going to happen next in terms of the, you know, the ups and downs of how it navigates through the cycle, we can certainly predict the sort of cycle we get from the halvening. It's every four years, and I don't think that's going to change for quite some time. But um, mm. certainly, how how we navigate the ups and downs, it's different narratives every time. Well, March was pretty interesting as well because again, the start of the year we were around seven thousand. We we're building up to ten. I think everyone's starting to feel confident. And then news of a pandemic, jitter start, and then we have that huge sell-off. Is it March 12th? Mm. And mm. the volume on March 12th, March 13th was huge. Did that, did that hit you by surprise? Um, yeah, I'd, I'd say so. I mean, I remember tweeting saying, here we go, we relaunched 10,000. And then, yeah. and then um, I would say I was um, looking into the COVID data a lot more than blockchain data at the time. And I remember Goldman saying, you know, brace yourself. So I forget what they... They they gave a particular number and they said X percentage bet on X percentage of the world contracting this um, and this kind of yeah it was just really grim um, and um, interestingly enough that you know this thing absolutely collapsed and I uh, like we've been waiting for this kind of event as Bitcoiners for for ages right everyone's looking for the 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 black swan crash this is the doomsday mm -hmm. kind of crash and it certainly felt like that over those few days and i remember um running a survey what did people think you know and people thought bitcoin would go up and i said you know like i think it's going to go down very quickly and then a rebound hard because we saw stuff like this happen in the 2008 world financial crisis because as everyone's um, getting freaked out, they sell and they exit all their leverage positions. They sell everything they're in to cash. And that's mm -hmm. that flight to safety. And um, we saw that in Bitcoin. Um, certainly, um, if you were trading it, it, there was not enough liquidity on BitMEX and these derivative exchanges to hold the price up. Everyone was just dumping liquidating liquidations falling on top of other people's stops and liquidating those guys <laughs> it just was a mass carnage and and i know people sold off as well they there was this this um time where you reassess this risk um the you reassess your risk profile of well we're in a whole new world now post-covid um you reassess your assumptions and 
So while you do that, you sell to cash. And with that in mind, like Bitcoin over the next, you know, two, three months, I think, um, went from roughly $10,000 to roughly $10,000. And that was the uh, assessment. But of course, you had this flight to safety as everyone parked their, 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 their exposures back to cash before redeploying. Yeah. It's a really interesting chart because it's it's essentially the same chart as almost anything at that time. And you look at the S and P that dropped. If you look at if you uh, Willie, if you look at my podcast downloads, I have the exact same dip. <laughs> March and oh, April. Yeah, of course, yeah, right? I, we were like, yeah, we were glued well, to like COVID um, news. Yeah, exactly. People won't listen to podcasts. There is the opposite. Yeah, you have people like Netflix. I'm sure their chart just spiked. Amazing and news. But there was a lot of charts out there that just saw that drop. Um, it was quite interesting. Volume wise, how did that compare? Because that, that was essentially the they were the biggest days of the year. But historically, how did they compare? Funding rise wise, um, oh, it was. I think it was a big. It's it's a the funding over that period is very annoying because whenever you're looking at those charts, it's a spike that's so far off the charts it screws with, you know, all your normal <laughs> signals. Um, it was very, very. Um, everyone was shorting. Everyone wanted to short, so um, it was very. Um, it was very cheap to go. Long. Well, you're being paid to go long by immense amount and. Well, of course, that was the right bet. Um, it's usually that way. Um, so, yeah, it was a very, um, like, I'm looking at this right now with the on-chain charts. I remember, you know, I was busy trying to figure out where to be over COVID, and I was looking <laughs> so closely at the charts at the time. Um, but, you know, I'm looking at it now, and I'm going, yeah, the, the speculators sold off massively um bitmix was the biggest um you know pullback because they didn't have enough liquidity and even the exchange um froze its order match oh i went offline i think the order matching engine might have continued um on chain actually not a lot of coins um were sold off like if you look at the investment velocity that was going between investors that was pretty normal like there wasn't like massive sell-offs by by um, by spot investors holding their coins on chain, so a lot of what this COVID flash was, this flash crash was um, derivative trade traders just really getting um, wrecked as they were liquidated, and it was just that obviously that impacts the, the spot markets and pulled all of them down, and it became crazy cheap coins for anyone who wanted to buy in. That you know it was a half price special, um, mm -hmm. and it took. What till May essentially for yeah, us to revert May. back to the normal price, and I, I know I think a few people were were a bit shaken by it. Um, you know, I I thought it would go back up because it's a safe haven to me. There's this is what it was born to do, and I had been expecting a flight to safety, but from that crash, we started to see um, very very tight coupling with. Um, like the stock market, um, people yeah. were trading it alongside it. Um, so for a while there, there was this narrative of, oh, well, Bitcoin's a failed experiment in terms of um, a safe haven. It's just another correlated asset that mm -hmm. we can trade. And, um, and, and so there was that, um, but um, that was only, I think it was just very strong post-COVID. And in some regard, I think it it's um, an ongoing thing that started to come in around um, 2018 onwards that Bitcoin's liquidity had gotten big enough so that it was big enough for pro traders to come in and we had the invention of uh, perpetual swap contracts so that, um, you know, essentially BitMEX where you can do high leverage trading. Um, so it became this very tradable asset and um, pro traders love to trade correlations. So um, that sort of developed, you know, we developed. And as you start to form into a trading relationship and correlations to other other asset classes, um, 
you know, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, it's dipped before. Oh well, let's let's sell it because it's going to dip again because stocks dipped, for example. So um, we kind of got into a gravitational lock with with um, equities over that phase, and it was very strong. And one of the interesting things for me is, you know, I track on chain, obviously, and mm-hmm. um, one of my indicators that you can you can go to my site. It's charts.weeble.com. And um, I've got price models on one of the charts, and one of these lines you see a lot of these traces, and it's it's NVT price, and NVT price looks at um, how much um, volume is circulating between investors um, at all times, and then it tries to map that up to a valuation and a price, and um, you can see these times where. The market price starts to come down and approach the MBT price, which is like the organic valuation of Bitcoin, and it bounces it off. But often it bounces it off. In COVID, it, it whipped down and dipped underneath it as the you know traders got liquidated. But that was very short. Um, the spot investors held their ground, and um, I could just see this MBT price going up. Been up, been up, and as people were trading, traders were trading this correlation to stocks. This, it's like this moving wall of death. You know, you can't short if if the stocks go down and this uh, moving wall of death <laughs> of Bitcoin buyers, powered yeah. by you know more and more people parking money into Bitcoin, is coming up at you. You can't short against that because um, you know the the spot buyers will continue to buy you out at those cheap prices. And um, we saw that happen um, for the very first time. And it's like the proper decoupling from that correlation in October of this year when stocks started to crash while Bitcoin just went ballistic on a a really organic run, um, powered by the likes of Michael Saylor, the likes of PayPal announcements, Square Cash, and everyone started buying and um and if you were to look actually at the flows of capital they had actually started buying in march um, of this year actually they started buying around the covid worries of 12 or 12 of march almost to the day who um, did they did you know they, they, just just the corporate side well the narrative i would attach is that um high net worth but particularly um the michael sailors of this world Oh. I think it was them and their cohort. Um, right. You know, the, Michael Sale has been on record saying, you know, it take, took us six months to to um, go through the process for our company, um, get through SEC approval, board approval, um, and just gear up to do it. Um, and you backtrace that final announcement that they had bought their, you know, 200 and so it's something, and then $425 million of Bitcoin. You backtrack that to his six-month time um, period, and it started in March before COVID. And he announced that he had bought uh, something like, what was it, $117 million in his own cash holdings. Yeah. And so I just, the narrative I put on it is that the um, CEOs and directors of publicly listed companies are some of the most well-networked um, people in society. And mm-hmm. when they buy, they tell their friends to buy. And yep. I think that's the influx I saw on chain. I don't know who it was, but I saw 600,000 coins get depleted off the speculative inventory sitting on spot exchanges. Um, and Never in the history of Bitcoin have we seen such a crazy <laughs> depletion of inventory sitting on um, exchanges. Um, and so that was responsible for for really driving the bottom price of Bitcoin up and up and up until we decoupled. Um, and it sets us up for this crazy 2021 year ahead. I've got absolutely no doubts this thing's going to run. Um, <laughs> I've never seen that amount of um, depletion. You know, we saw this kind of depletion happen in 2016. Mm. Uh, it's, I call it reaccumulation. You kind of have 
they're really um, the people who put the bottom of the beer in. They they put the floor in. They'll buy it. They'll buy it. They'll buy it. And, and you'll get this sort of price compression where um, sellers keep selling because they're bearish, but it just doesn't go down because right. these guys just say, "No, I'll buy that. I'll buy that." And so the volatility just drops off a cliff, and it's just this narrow band. And then once those guys have kept buying at that price range, um, the sellers give in and they leave, and then the price rebounds and it rebounds and goes up. And then normally that sort of shakes out, and then you get this new phase of reaccumulation happen. And they're, they're the guys that time the market very well. They can see this has already signaled the bottom, and now we go in. And the last um, reaccumulation band we had in the last cycle, 2016, it was tiny. It was um, five months long, and it was like a what ten something like a ten or nine percent depletions um, inventory off the spot exchanges. This one's lasts for ten months, and it, it's double, almost twenty percent inventory right. got scooped up. How much have um, how much did the halving play into this as well? I I think it's well. It's not to be discounted. I mean, it's it's the impulses, the you know, it's the supply shock impulses that that get us our four year cycles. Um, and you know, I'm I'm very quantitative. Uh, I look at the numbers. Um, if we look at plus token, is like quarter of a million bitcoins. Um, we've seen six hundred thousand um, coins scooped up off the spot exchanges in the last eighteen months. Um, over that period, um, it's around eight hundred fifty thousand um, coins that is new supply being um, coming through the mining. So um, when you you know filter out these you know uh, sort of influxes of buying and you know outgoings of selling, um, you know, and these ripples. The 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 sort of steady heartbeat of Bitcoin supply shock from the miners is very significant. So um, I'd say it's it's you know yeah. it, it it has um, set the rhythm, but the the things that are really pushing it right now are um, the micro sailors of this world, um, and I'm looking at um, just looking at the demand and supply. Um, how much was dumped by Plus Token? How much miners dumped onto um, the exchanges to sell off? And and still you have this inventory depletion. Uh, it's a one point seven five million coins that's been hoovered up by all the buyers wow. in eighteen months. Um, that's like almost wow. two Satoshi Nakamoto's <laughs> supply. Of coins in eighteen months. Um, that's ten percent of the Bitcoin supply, almost. Um, you know, no, well, more than that because we're. You know, it's like we say there's eighteen million coins and eight and a half million coins in the Bitcoin supply, but the truth is there's only fourteen million because a lot of it lost. Mm. And then you say seven one point seven five million just got bought up in this very compressed right. space. Yeah, it's it's we're gonna have a lot of um, you know Lambo memes and moon memes in twenty twenty one. That's without much doubt. Next up, I talked to Willie more about the Bitcoin market and the trading environment for twenty twenty. But before that, I've got a message from my amazing sponsors. Okay, we're going to talk about Kraken, which is my favorite place for buying and selling Bitcoin, and it is the only place I use now for buying and selling Bitcoin. Okay, why is that? Well, firstly, they are consistently rated the best and most secure cryptocurrency exchange and security is really important to me. They also have the best in class in customer service. So whatever issue you have, whoever you are, wherever you are, they're going to get that shit fixed for you. And if you want to start trading Bitcoin, well, they have every tool you could possibly need. So whatever your level of experience, if you head over to Kraken.com, it could not be easier to sign up and start trading Bitcoin. They also have a beautiful mobile first app so you can buy Bitcoin on the go and with their margin trading, futures and OTC desk, Kraken has every option covered for you. There is no better place to trade Bitcoin. Find out more at Kraken.com or download the app. It's available for the iPhone and Android. Just search for Kraken Pro, which is K-R-A-K-E-N-P-R-O. Also, next up, we have BlockFi. 
and they had a big announcement recently. BlockFi is launching a Bitcoin Rewards Visa credit card in early 2021. I'm really, really excited about this. It's been coming for a while. Okay, so check this out. Card users can earn a market lead in 1.5% rewards paid in Bitcoin on all card purchases. Note this, there is a $200 annual fee, but you can earn a $250 bonus in Bitcoin after spending $3,000 in the first three months. And you can also stack sats with all your card purchases. The waitlist registration is now open to all BlockFi registered clients. And if you want to join the priority waiting list, then you need to open up a BlockFi account. The public waitlist is slated to open in early January. If you're interested in checking out BlockFi, I do always say do your own research and then head over to BlockFi.com, which is B-L-O-C-K-F-I.com. I mean, the run-up from September is super interesting. It's, it's essentially, I guess, I mean, it started like it's, uh, back in March after the sell-off, but um, it's like it's a massive run-up, really. Mm. It, it looks really similar in some ways to the run-up from May of 2017 you know whereas you know a couple of dips uh and then nearly vertical but the difference between this and 2017 2017 we spiked and dropped it feels like we're consolidating we're actually consolidating at 19,000. yes i i write a i write a um investment intelligent letter intelligence letter and um i after that run-up i said what next after the most organic um rally we've seen in years this recent one we've had and sure on paper like looking at the price chart they look quite similar but um the structure of what happened underneath them were was completely different like the what was it sort of like april it was april fool's um breakout <laughs> um and yeah, about that. it was it was, it was i remember that it was um, and actually, it was April Fool's Day on, um, I was in Bali at the time, it was, I think it was 10 a.m. at the time. And 10 a.m. is this time where all the action often happens with Bitcoin um, in Bali time. <laughs> and that happens to be the lowest um, volume traded over the 24 hour clock. And so during that time, at the minimum volume, um, Bitcoin broke out. And if you're a trader, you'll know that um, it's just a game of bulls versus bears. And um, the more uh, ammo you have, the more capital that's at your disposable, the more you can push the price around. And the price was pushed above the, the resistance level at, um, at that hour. And everyone um, stops got stop, um, hit, meaning their risk protection kicked in. And rather than shorting, um, being in a short position, their the emergency stops kicked in and they bought back their positions. And of course, as they buy back their positions, the price goes up a bit. And then the next person at the higher level of risk protection, their stops get kicked and they all got kicked. Um, so we call this a short squeeze. People mm. were, who were being who were shorting got squeezed out and the price went sheer vertical from um, what was it for? I think it was 4,200. And went vertical to 5,000. You know, that's a big jump when the price is only 4,200. It's like um, a 20% jump in, in hours. And then um, if you were to look at what was happening at that point, um, everyone was in disbelief and they kept reshorting it. And so the price squeezed them out. <laughs> and it was one squeeze after the next squeeze. And it was just, Payday for whoever triggered that first one and just kept, and it sliced through this, you know, what we thought would be the mother of all resistances because we were at 6,000, you know, had been trading. This this 6,000 bottom had been trading for like, for like most of the year, all of 2018, and it just sliced, it sliced through that little like hot knife through butter and um this was also happening with the plus token ponzi right but the price was like way above organic it was just crazy um and um that's not what happened this time it's it was a very low volatility rally it was driven by a lot of volume um, by spot investors buying the underlying Bitcoin and taking it off the exchanges. And you can see that there was a huge, um, you know, like 
since March, since COVID, there, there was this depletion in stock inventory. And come um, the start of this rally in October, it just it started to go steeper downwards. Like mm. these coins were being hoovered off the, the spot exchanges at, at, at um, almost twice the rate. And, and um, so it was very much driven by organic buying. Um, and I saw more uh, people come into Bitcoin in that phase than um, unseen since like kind of October-ish of 2017. If you can imagine the fervor in the markets in October 2017, um, when it was just, you know, a month or two away from grandpa telling you to buy Bitcoin because it's the next big thing. Yeah. What do you make of this consolidation, though, around 19K? Like, it's a strong signal, right? I mean, it's had a couple of dips, like, to 18 and 17 and a half, but recovered really quickly. Mm. Yeah. Um, like I've been saying, that the buying pressure is just so high. Um, what, you know, when we topped out, like, you, know, you could see it. Like, I put out a notice about, you know, I think it was about nine days before the top. I said that, We've got around a week left in this, and you could start to see that the um, the buyers now were smaller buyers. They weren't um, large whales, institutional, and they were more akin to um, like the retail standard come in late and into a rally, and that's usually a sign if you look at the backtrace that these rallies are starting to top out. And um, so I gave it a week. It did sort of win about nine days, and then we had that sort of big pullback and it started to consolidate and like that that kind of to be expected because the buying hadn't stopped but a lot of people coming in like and and a lot of buying so that typically you when you have a rally like this you kind of expect between the pullback 30 percent sometimes even 40 yeah but we've got we what i think it was barely over 20 percent in that first week and that was very fast and now it doesn't want to really go down. And one of the indicators I look at um, is, um, you know, it's the acronym, S-O-P-R, SOPR. Um, that, that indicator shows um, essentially for the people, you're going to imagine surveying all the people, all the investors that are um, selling their coins. Um, you look at how much profit they made, whatever's attached to those coins when they bought and when they sold. You can see that on chain. Um, you, you you kind of run the average across the entire day of who sold the coin. Some of them lost making, some of them vast profits. And generally, when you get this point where um, the you know in these rallies the the profit keeps increasing as people are selling out, the the rallies go on higher and higher. And at a certain point when it it flattens out, these these uh, the profit carried in these coins start to decline and. We're doing that now. We're in this phase where people are like, we're waiting for the people who are going to sell to completely sell out. We're waiting for SOPR to indicate we're reset now and no one's at profit again. Um, that are but I've got, a, I've got a question around that because if you look at the types of buyers we've got now, the grayscales, the mass mutuals, the micro strategies, some of these buyers and the people that are buying through grayscale, they might not want to sell ever. Or yeah, you know, mass mutual. Why are they going to sell? And so I think we've. Tell me if I'm wrong, or if there's an indicator that shows you this. But it feels like we are getting more long-term hodlers come in, whereas like 2017 felt very retail-based. I think people were buying and thinking, right, when do I sell this to make my dollar maximize my dollar profit? I think we got people now who are buying who are just like. They're not even considering selling. Yeah, this is um, this. That's a different indicator. Um, chain analysis um, created one that was it. It's, it essentially measures how liquid are the the coins, and as the coins become less liquid, it means um, you know the coins are being bought and then sold and bought and sold when it's liquid. When they're not, they're being bought and held, and you can measure that yeah. using. Um, you know the the you, you can measure you can measure coins going into wallets and just not being releasing they're just an accumulation, yeah. and so um, that's exactly what's happening and it again coincides with 
the coins being hoovered off the exchanges starting um, in March. So that is for sure. Um, those guys aren't selling. Um, locally, we're waiting for the, the short-term speculators to move their coins out and deplete. Whoever's going to sell and get off the bus, get off the bus now. Once they're completed, we can move up. Um, probably got another few weeks, you know, probably into January before they get off the bus. Yeah. So just waiting for that. Oh, so you, you, you think this will chop under 20 until then? It doesn't guarantee it. We could break above, but we don't get a free ride um, to the next new, you know, highs into the 20s and 50s yeah, yeah. until we can get this these guys unloaded. Um, you know, you, you do sometimes see it when the market goes into utter, utter FOMO and that you only see in the, you know, the, the mania phase of the bull market. And we're certainly not in that now. It's very measured buying by very... Um, Long-term investors, not much FOMO at the moment. Um, everything's organic. Uh, the price isn't just ripping off uh, these what these long-term investors are, are signaling. So I think we just go sideways here a bit. We might get a, a, another little okay. feedback, but not much. Um, we've got a bit of. Yeah. Let me ask you: Did, did we get an did we get an all-time new high? Yeah, we did slightly. I don't call it legit. <laughs> I call it. Yeah, if you want to split hairs, we're a little bit higher than we were in 2017. The main thing is we're spending a lot of days and weeks at these highs. Um, so, mm. like, the, the last highs were the last dying breaths of that bull market, and it just got over the line before it cratered back down. Yeah, we're just sitting pretty um, with lots of legs to run on this thing. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, let me ask you then. We obviously looks very good for breaking twenty without you know subject to not having any crazy bad news. Twenty k always felt like a it would be a, like a price that we would bump up against. We would tag it a few times before we got through, just because of historical context. Psychologically, it's a barrier that we all remember from you know what happened in the previous bull run. What happens after this? Like, how do you consider that? I know you've put out a prediction, mm-hmm. quite a strong prediction, quite a strong six-figure prediction. We have, you know, Pomp put out 100K, I think, the other week. I've seen people put two up to 300,000. But, like, how do you really prepare for this yourself, Willie? How do I prepare for it? Yeah, how do you prepare? What are you looking at? What are you thinking about? Because... I don't know what the next me- like the next mental barrier for me after twenty k is a hundred k. Oh, okay. Because it's a it's a, it's a new psychological big number. There will obviously be you know ups and downs on the way, but we have a lot of interest, right? There are a lot. There's you know when if Michael Saylor t- said it took six months and he's told everyone who's done it, a lot of other companies looking might be thinking, right, okay, we're interested, but they might it might then take them months. We could have a lot of people coming mm. in early next year. And I was chatting to another guy who trades traditional markets, and he said, this could get very choppy. It could be a real issue with supply of coins, like a real issue with uh, coin availability on exchanges. He said, you could see some really big jumps. Yeah, yeah, I think we're, we're, we're very much um, coming into a phase where we're, we're going to see a supply shock. Um, I, I've been measuring um, this... You know, uh, George Soros came up with this term called reflexiveness, which is the tendencies for particularly commodities to fix supply commodities to um, to have this feedback loop. As the price goes up, the sellers want to hold on to the the commodity or the asset harder, so there's less supply, and because of that, the price runs up higher. Um, it feeds in on mm. itself, and I think most people thought. Um, most definitely Bitcoin showed reflexive properties because you just look at it, you know, the last cycle went ridiculous, like almost 100x, did 100x. Um, and I measured it. I did this study um, looking at how much does the market cap increase for every dollar that goes in. And um, it turns out that all the past cycles, they were... Um, very, the, flip, the the dollar gain in market cap or price per dollar put in was was flat, and what what it, what had had and actually happened is 
that um, was, as the price ran up, the old hands, the whales, the guys that bought from the early days, um, and we see that on chain on the records from when, when those coins went into their wallets, they start selling, the old hands start selling. So there was always this supply being sold down into these runs and it kept the um, reflexiveness flat. Um, and the interesting thing about this um, time is that it's not flat, it's going up. It's, mm. it's, um, it's increasing. So the first time are we sort of um, behaving like what Soros predicts for um, these kind of commodity markets. And, and so I weigh that with the amount of capital that needs to go in to push us to these crazy um, market caps that will, you know, like if we go to 100,000, that's like a $2 trillion market cap. And currently it's about $3.50 um, of, of, of um, market cap gain per dollar invested. So I'm just going to punch that through calculator by I think it was about, someone it's, told me it, it would we need be... half a trillion dollars to go into this thing. We have $500 billion. We need 500 Michael Sailors to push us to, to um, $100,000, right? So, or two and a half apples. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not, um, that's assuming the reflexive or that, that, that ratio doesn't keep climbing, which it is right now. So you've got, on the one hand, this immense amount of capital we need to float the boat. And on the other side, you've got um, the amplifier of that capital um, to drive the price increase um, because people are holding on tighter and the next key um, sort of mark in the sand for me is 50,000, 50, 55,000 dollars um, Bitcoin um, and that broaches us into that one trillion dollar resistance level of market cap you know Bitcoin becomes a trillion dollar asset bucket and at that point you know, all major macro asset um, asset buckets are trillion dollars, and Bitcoin's not even in that league yet. And so, once we break that, I think that's big news, and I think it then becomes a black hole, and it sucks in other assets, um, particularly gold, because it's kind of a antiquated old version um, of Bitcoin. <laughs> it's it's in that funny though that. Like when people used to say that, uh, I would say about a year ago, they'll say it like calling it boomer rocks or it's just a lump of yellow metal. I was like, no, come on, gold has a long, strong history, governments hold it, but like I can see retail dumping into dumping their gold into Bitcoin quite easily. What the interesting thing there is, like, do any governments who are holding you know gold reserves within their uh, gold and gold reserves are also then themselves considering shit. Do we need to be getting on this train? I mean, yeah, like what was it? Michael, not Michael Saylor, uh, Ralph Powell um, just sold his gold <laughs> to buy more Bitcoin. Um, yeah, you once you start to see these, you know, global macro guys, and of course, they're in cahoots talking to each other too, <laughs> start to reconsider their exposures. Um, you know, I think it started from the smartest money, um, they understand this game. You know, those guys are the ones that understand macro assets the best. And we're starting to see the first of those guys start to come in. Um, you know, what was it? BlackRock said, we recommend Bitcoin. Or they manage, what, $7.8 trillion of wealth. Uh, so I oh, think... Everyone's getting ticked off. I mean, JP Morgan have come out with quite a few statements. The Paul Tudor Jones uh, investment letter this week said of all the assets for the great monetary reset the way you want to hedge bitcoin is the fastest horse in the race like the cat's out of the bag now there i think we i think we have the regulatory cover i think we have the we have enough big companies that have done it now that essentially i mean mass mutual essentially gave cover to hedge funds to do this you're not going to get fired to make that decision anymore no you're not and actually but you might you know if you've not got it within your portfolio (laughs) <laughs> it might be questioned by those whose money you're managing. It's like, well, why have you not got Bitcoin? Everyone else has got Bitcoin. Why are you not doing this? And this is where this potential supply shock happens, where we see that kind of accelerated 
corporate FOMO in Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's right. Um, yeah, so I mean, I'd, I, I'm waiting for the day that, like, uh, uh, you know, someone gets fired for not buying Bitcoin <laughs> than the other way around. That'd be hilarious. Yeah, that, um, but, be yeah, so we need, we, we will need half a trillion dollars, um, half a trillion dollars to enter Bitcoin for us to hit $100,000. Um, so I think of next year is the the race um, to get to the fifty thousand dollar Bitcoin mark, and at that point, it's it gets the next you know power up um, to be able to start to suck in um, these other asset buckets. And can it get the half trillion to one trillion dollars to hit these one hundred to two hundred thousand dollar per coin targets? Um, you know, in amongst our unit of account being debased, um, that'll accelerate it. Um, and so right now, these targets are, you know, 100 is very, very conservative, I would say. Um, <laughs> what was your prediction again? Remind me. I said um, 200, uh, 300 is not out of the question. But, you know, once this thing gets going... Um, it's really hard to um, see where the top is. Like, I can probably take a guess that, you know, um, Pomp's 100,000. That, that's pretty conservative. I think we'll definitely mm. hit that. I mean, I'm looking at my chart right now. I have a, um, a model that's based on, you know, that has hit all the prior tops. And, um, and that just keeps – it's making a beeline upwards, right? And if I just continue yeah. that, that line, we pretty much hit it um, easily – by the end of next year. But the thing is, as these bull markets start to heat up, every cycle in the past, this line starts to curve upwards exponentially. So if it stays linear to next year, we hit 100,000. But I'm expecting it to curve upwards like every other cycle. And that means we'll start to hit the 200, maybe 300. But I don't know how steep that curve will be just yet because it's still in the linear phase it's still in the early part of the bull market believe it or not um mm. so um i think some people have said one million dollars <laughs> um one million dollars <laughs> you know one million dollars maybe the next cycle uh no this this cycle and i'm gonna I, I would say now i'm looking at the chart for my model and you know it would need a very steep hockey stick, but I can't say that's out of the question. Um, I can say 100's very conservative. I can say 200's yeah. right on track. Or somewhere between 100 and 200 is a very conservative sort of sweet spot. Um, 300 for sure. 100, 300 to a million is actually not much of a gap, <laughs> believe it or not, on this model. Because it's more <laughs> longer, isn't it? Um, so, you know, it just reminds me of, you know, to the moon and Mars um, metaphors. But, you know, if you were to go to the moon, the amount of energy that takes you to the moon, um, it's just added like a little bit extra when you get to Mars. Um, it's a little bit like that on these charts. Um, so <laughs> the, the, the interesting thing at that point, well, I guess, is that, yeah, once you start hitting... Uh, say $100,000 a coin, there's plenty of people out there with 10 Bitcoin who are suddenly on paper, they're millionaires. And if you hit a million dollars a coin, there's plenty of people who are now millionaires because they own one Bitcoin. So I, I wonder if you still, once you see a sell-off there, if there's going to be enough buyers at that point, or you just, you go through another like 80% retraction. I well, don't know. I don't know what happens at that point. Well, yeah, I'm I'm like seeing um, people that are, uh, you know, I guess following Michael Saylor's um lead and um, buying Bitcoin on margin. You know, he's issued a $600 million debt instrument to buy more Bitcoin. And, you know, when you're on margin like that, um, you tend to want to sell more <laughs> at the tops because you feel more exposed. I don't know mm. if Michael Saylor would do it because his loan's out to 2025 at very, very cheap interest rates. But um, I know people that are, like, pulling on some of their mortgage overdraft or something to buy more Bitcoin. And so uh, certainly those guys will sell off. And, um, it just depends how high we get. Um, there's a lot of talk about, you know, with this new institutional people coming in, um, will they're much more longer-term holders. Maybe the next cycle won't be as um, violently downwards. 
I think we'll, we'll probably still have a, a very violent down move. It's just in the nature of Bitcoin. I'd be very surprised if we go to, you know, whatever it is, 200,000, and we only give like a tiny pullback to 150 or 100. Um, that would be very unlike Bitcoin. Um, yeah. Uh, do you think Sailor's done that? Is there any data to indicate that buying's happened yet? Because $650 million will move the market, right? Um, six hundred and fifty million. I, I'm like a lot of the inventory depletion has leveled off since we peaked. Um, so let's go six hundred divided by nineteen, roughly. So we're looking at thirty-one um, thousand coins. Uh, look, I, it's it's um, it's it's very hard to see his buying in the in the overall scheme of things. Um. I think what he did was start a whole cascade of other people buying. Um, even the four hundred thousand that was bought, um, you know, it was a 30,000, um, bitcoins that he bought um, with MicroStrategy. That's about. That's like I don't know five percent of the inventory depletion of of, of that. That we saw, and you know, like what? What's like what is what is say forty thousand coins? Let's call it forty thousand coins next to one point seven five million coins that was sucked off the markets in the last eighteen months. It's it's still a drop in the I guess, Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We like to. That's kind of interesting. He's very visible um, in terms of the overall scheme of the market. It's still very small. Um, certainly encouraging a lot more people to buy. It might be he's got a lot of friends. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I recall talking to one head of OTC, and he said, "These guys, they are um, they like to swim together, and uh, the whales like to swim together." And um, and I'm assuming that um, he's telling me something of <laughs> his um, his dealings with filling the orders. Uh, so, hmm. Well, he's doing a lot of work to promote this as well. He's doing a lot of media work. Yeah, I guess yeah. MicroStrategy is now a Bitcoin company. Like he makes fifty million dollars a year um, in his software sales, and he's made like half a billion dollars in um, Bitcoin <laughs> gains in the last couple of months. <laughs> I know it's insane. Well, similar with Square. Square did amazing with their fifty million purchase. Yeah. So, I'm surprised right, why, why they put. Why, why do you think they bought so little? <laughs> They're such a best um, rich company. I, I, well, I get. I, I wondered that. So two things I was wondering. I wonder if it's there's like that was an easy small amount they could do that was e like just easiest. I don't know what the like rules the company has around their treasury and what they can do. I wonder if that was easy, or I wonder if it was like a test, like an obligatory test. But they must be looking now and thinking, shit, why did we do 10 times that? I'm kind of wondering if, you know, maybe their next move is to get banking licenses and they need to be very, very um, conservative with yeah, uh, perhaps. that side of things to get regulatory approvals and whatnot. And so that's their bigger game. And they bought a little bit, um, but they can't be seen to be like that loaded up on Bitcoin and now they want to do this next thing and they've got vested motors or whatever. I'm not sure, but something like that yeah. I could imagine happening there. Um, so so if we were gonna round up Willie, I wanted to conclude your thoughts for next year. You're basically saying don't sell because we could go to two, three, four hundred thousand, then very quickly easy up to a million. Is it is that is that your prediction? <laughs> <laughs> Right now, it's anywhere between twenty thousand dollars and a million. Um, but let's say between no one dollar and a million, just to be safe. Um, no way, man. Listen, I'm I'm going to put a number out there, and you're going to have to put a number. I out think there. I'm uh, going to go with. I think I think we get over a hundred thousand next year. I don't think we get over two hundred thousand. Yeah, I, I think there will be um, 200,000. Like 100,000 I'd rate as very conservative, probably overly conservative. I'd rate 200,000 upwards as a sweet spot, 300,000 not out of the question. And I do not ridicule $1 million. Um, wow. Yeah, I do not ridicule the McAfee um, target. 
Well, a little bit late. I don't know if we'll see him. Eat, yeah, we might not see him eating his dick either because um, <laughs> I think we'll all forgive him anyway if we get to a million dollars. Okay. Yeah. All right. Useful, useful. Okay, Willie. Listen, look. If people want to follow you, where do they find? Where do they find you, man? Okay, you can find me on Twitter. I'm, you know, that's probably the channel that's most publicly accessible and active. Um, Woonomic um, on Twitter. Um, you can go to my chat site, um, charts.woobull.com, and um, I have a newsletter as well. That's uh, willywoo.substack.com. Um, you can go to any of those, and it'll point there. Look at my profile page, and it'll point there. Um, I do have a paid um, market forecast letter that goes out every sort of two to three weeks whenever the on-chain structure um, changes. It gives you an idea of what, um, Bitcoin's next move might be. Um, if you're a trader or an investor, it might be useful. Right. Well, listen, I'll put that all in the show notes then. I'll let people see that for you. And uh, yeah, thanks for doing this, man. Awesome. Wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And I'm, we're going to be talking again uh, in January, I'm sure. Yeah, looking forward to that. Yeah. All right. What do you think of that? How bullish are you now? It's pretty crazy to hear Willie say that he thinks $100,000 for Bitcoin is a little bit conservative. I think next year is going to be a pretty crazy year. It's going to be a wild ride. Looking forward to it. And as I said, Willie will be joining me every month to cover on-chain data. I'll also have Shinobi on on Tuesday as we're going to be doing a tech roundup for 2020. And then following that, I'm going to have a review of the macro environment with Lynn Alden. It's a pretty cool shows to end the year out. As ever, if you've got any questions, you can reach out to me. It's hello at whatbitcoindid.com. If you want to support the show, head over to iTunes, leave me a review. And as I said in the intro, I have just announced that I'm launching a daily email service next year. It's called The Wake Up. If you want to register for that, that's available at www.thewakeup.cc. Have a great weekend and I'll see you all next week. <laughs>